Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey there, this is Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. I am your host, Nina Perez, and we are here to discuss life topics to challenge and transform your thinking. Let's do this. I have someone here who I am so excited. She is here and her name is Shelly Brown. And she is a speaker and a mindfulness educator, a mentor, an artist, and an author. And best known for her um, creation of Weird Girl, a series of humorous essays. They're written about real life experiences and it is so fun. So I'm going to let her get into that. But we, before we start all that, Shelly, I just want you to introduce yourself to my audience because I already fell in love with you. So you might as well have them fall in love with you too. <laughs> Hi, audience. <laughs> I am Shelly and you're weird and I'm weird. And I believe that we're all weird, different weirding, you know, kind of like the same dog, different paws. Mm -hmm. And my whole jam is this collective weirdness of humaning because I, we're all weird. We're all, yeah. and I will say one quick thing, the way I define weird is not like odd or fly your freak flag. Weird are the thoughts that we believe separate us that are actually our biggest connection to others. Oh, that's really neat. That's really neat. I want to unpack that. Um, so you are really, uh, you know, I've, I've been uh, following you and, uh, you know, on your website and stuff and your YouTube, which I just found hilarious and wonderful because you have all different kind of topics. You're not just going one direction, right? So you have humor. Uh, you you have uh, some some more serious topics that you also throw a little bit of humor in. Do you find humor to be like um, something that's very calming for you or something that you really connect with? That's a great question, Nina. I think when you can bear witness to experiences, you know, rather than be in the narrative of them, it's really easy to look at things through the lens of humor because when you're not distraught and suffering in the emotion at the time mm -hmm. and you're just looking at it from like it's like it's apart from you, it's super easy to sort of bring humor to it because life is funny. It is. Do you uh, find you do that in hindsight? Like when you look at something in the past and go, oh, God, I can't believe I did that. Do you make humor out of that? All the time. All the time. I, I think I find humor in just everyday situations in general, although it's a both and, right? I mean, I certainly mm -hmm. hold space for the suffering and there's certainly a lot of suffering in this world. But I think it's always a both and there's this and then there's that. And mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's easy to laugh when you feel free from all the crap in your own head. That's so true. Right. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about who Shelly was, because I want to know who Shelly is now, if you don't mind unpacking that a little bit, uh, yeah. because I know you're a mindfulness educator, but, you know, I know that, you know, even with me and my journey that I'm going through being more aware of mindfulness and stuff is usually comes from a lot of trauma or a lot of things that have happened in past. Right. And then we try to find that center and that peace. Right. Do you find that 
to be your journey a little bit? Oh, for sure. I don't think anybody comes to mindfulness unless they are seeking a way to have more peace in their life. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, my mindfulness doesn't look like sitting in Lululemon's, you know, with incense burning and chanting. (laughs) My mindfulness looks a little different. We can talk about that, but who I was before was somebody that lived in my head, overthought everything and was in this bubble of a narrative that, that was continuous. And then I was also somebody who sort of looked at the world as the clothing store for my identity because who I was, like a lot of people believe, you know, I'm not, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, something's wrong with me. So Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I'm gonna make my identity out of being an ultra marathoner. I'm gonna make my identity out of being somebody's girlfriend. I'm gonna make my identity out of this job. I'm gonna make my identity out of whatever it was that was outside of myself that gave me some sort of, oh, I'm okay now if I can Mm -hmm. just, if I can latch on to this. And it was constant. Right. So you were latching on to like things that um, gave you some sort of identity or footing, right? Of like a stability, like it makes you feel like you have some sort of stability or control, right? When you go through that. Even the stability and control can look really weird because you can find stability and control in the familiarity of the Mm -hmm. the crap, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, having somebody that has an eating disorder, which I struggled with, it was like, okay, well, at least this is something to hang on to because anxiety and that narrative and that uncertainties, BFF, mm-hmm. is certainty. So whatever that anchor is, and it could be the crappiest thing on the planet, at least it's something I hold on to. Mm-hmm. How, how did you um, move the needle forward on that? Right. Because there's some things that are really, that are really hard to overcome and it's a constant battle, right? I'm sure that there are days you still have to get up and fight, right? It's almost like you you have to fight for mindfulness or fight for that peace in your life. I, I mean, at least I find that for me. Um, so when you, when you talk about um, a, like an eating disorder, for instance, or, you know, people I've spoken to have had addictions of some sort, it is a, a battle to overcome and then constantly overcoming, right? Do you, do you feel that way? Do you, do you feel yeah, like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, I went from an eating disorder to being an ultra marathoner and running a ton of marathons. And, and I had a culmination of a really, is it okay to swear on here? Yeah. I had a, this culmination of an epic shit storm about mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I, my vertebrae collapsed on the nerves mm-hmm. going down my leg. So I didn't have this identity of being a runner. Right. I lost my job, um, independent of the injury, but made a mistake out of fear was dating somebody that I thought was the love of my life, who was losing his, his identity to a drug addiction. So you know, here I was and all the things that I thought made me, me got dumped upside down. And it was like, okay, I have nothing to deal with my emotions anymore that all the, or the, all the usual suspects Mm -hmm. for me to deal with my stuff from outside of dealing with my stuff were gone, you know? And so it was a little bit of a journey. It took some time, but 
more nervous breakdowns after trying to make my life look at like it was before and nothing was fitting, like trying to wear a size two pants when you're a size eight and trying mm-hmm. to squeeze into it, it wasn't working. And I finally found my way to a mindfulness-based stress reduction program. And ever since then, everything has, has transformed. And it's- Oh my gosh, that's powerful. That's powerful, right? Because- you started with saying that you were an overthinker, right? Like you just overthought everything. So I can imagine when all of this turned upside down for you, that you were like overthinking this. And that's probably where you said the mental breakdowns came in, right? Just the constantly overthinking. A hundred percent. And, you know, to add on to that, I went to therapists and shrinks and life coaches and trying to find somebody to fix my head. Mm-hmm. And I, I just got to this point where I was like, okay, this is how I'm wired. And I'm just going to be in this crazy, anxious, insomnia struggle forever. And this is my life. And I call that foreverizing. We take mm. something, okay, this is the way it is. Nobody can tell me any different. I am stuck here. And mm-hmm. I want to share this with your audience because if anybody out there is, is experiencing severe anxiety, the easiest way for me to tell you a little bit about what helped me was that, you know, it's not like a sign, keep calm, carry on. And you're like, oh, duh, I can keep calm and carry on. When you have an extreme amount of stress and it doesn't have to be a back injury and it doesn't have to be an eating disorder, it could be a myriad of things. Your physiological stress response gets messed up. And so no amount of self-talk, wondering why you can't get your act together is going to help you get your act together. Mm. It is like a control alt delete on the whole nervous system. And so if you're out there blaming yourself for why you can't like get it together and stop the stress and self-talk your way out of it or medicate your way out of it, it's not that it, it's not a head thing. It's a whole physiological thing. Wow. That's really good. And you're right. And, and that happens to a lot of people, right? Like I was um, listening to something today where a woman had asked a question to these um, experts and said, um, you know, what happens when you're, when you're trying to live like, a, like this, um, like epic life, right? But the people that you're living with don't believe what you believe. And the first thing that one of the people said was, oh, just leave them all. And I'm like, just leave them all. You don't even know who she's talking about. It could be her kids. It could be, you know, and yeah, if they're toxic, leave them. And I'm like, there, there has to be a different way to do this. You know what I'm saying? So, and somebody came in with way better advice, but um, yeah, I think you're right. I think sometimes people look at it as a, just get over it type of thing and let's, let's keep it moving, you know? And, um, and that's not for everyone. I'm so glad you, you said that, I, I guess, is that part of your, like the, the, the mindfulness education that you're doing with people? Well, it's part of that, but it's also with my whole message about weird. And this is not really in the book as much. It's a little bit, but the biggest message that, that I want to share about mindfulness is that when we practice mindfulness, we're able to allow 
the thoughts without adding more thoughts. I think about it like we're in Amazon with our shopping cart and we put one thing in the cart and we don't have to put 10 million because we're like, okay, this is the one thing that's here. I can delete it, save it for later, or I can buy it. And we don't have to add 10,000 more thoughts to one thought. And so that's just kind of the, the allowing piece. And my mindfulness education, I have a, what I call rockstar mindfulness. It's a speaking keynote and a workshop that I put together using rock music to help people understand the concepts of mindfulness. It's really fun. Yeah, that sounds like fun. So what you're saying, just so I can understand is that if I if I get a thought that's, uh, that's not a good thought, just just a thought, um, you're saying I can I can either uh, sit with it, like keep it, delete it or edit it. Is that what you're saying with that thought? Instead of just like um, expanding on that thought and making it bigger than it is? Is that what you mean? Well, it's the sort of the Viktor Frankl quote, you know, in between stimulus and response, there's space. And so cultivating space mm. gives us choice. And to me, choice mm. is freedom. Having the choice to be able to kind of see your thoughts as you're thinking them so that you have choice and agency about the thoughts that you have. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that I had that freedom. And people with addictions and eating disorders don't know that they have a choice. I'm not saying like certain addictions, obviously you don't have a choice because you're addicted, but disorders, especially sometimes if you, if you do have that space between that behavior and you're able to see that there's a choice point there, that's good. And you have the opportunity to make that choice and you're not always going to be successful, but there's a space in between the Mm. thought and the actual behavior. And I'm not going to speak really for good. all addictions because, of course, of course, we're you know we're not medical professionals, so we right. can't. But, but that's really great because, um, and I never saw it like that, and that's that's really powerful, right? Because it also gives you that second of pause and a little bit of control, right? Like you don't have to feel out of control. You actually have a choice that you can make here. And that just, that gives somebody that, that, that sense of um, authority, that little sense of authority and power that they can actually do this. Right? Yeah. So and I would say, I would, I would say, you know, we have agency and we have choice. And again, choice equals freedom mm-hmm. from, That's good. from stuck, you know? Yeah. And you know, that, that goes along with life things too, right? Like when you think about it, I was speaking to someone who said they were absolutely miserable in their job. And I'm like, well, why don't you get another job? And it's like, they never thought of that. You know what I mean? It's like, you have a choice. You don't have to stay, you know? And they're like, yeah, I don't, you know, it's almost like, but you know, to your point, there is a sense of freedom in that because you do then decide what you will stick with and stay with if that's what you want or what you can change. And that is a possibility, right? Exactly. And you can question the fear that comes up. So like when you offer that person, you can change jobs. That person might have 8,000 thoughts like, well, no, I need the paycheck and no, I'm not going to get hired. And what happens if I leave this job and blah, 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 blah. It depends on, it depends on what the space is, where they're at to be able Mm -hmm. to to take on what you suggest to them and be like, oh my gosh, that really is a possibility. Whereas when you're in a place of fear, you're like, no, I can't do that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you allow them to have that space even in the fear? Like if if you're mentoring someone and um, and educating them, and they're they're in that space, like like for instance, this person I was talking to, and if they would be like, no, 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 I need my paycheck, I need this, I need insurance, I need. Do you allow them to sit in that space for a minute, and then like kind of show them the that there's a choice even in that, even in the fear? Yes, and it's like the way I kind of describe it to people that I've worked with is it's like a zoom lens. Most people don't use a regular camera anymore, but if you think about your iPhone, if you want to get really close in on something, you zoom in. So Mm -hmm. if you're in fear, you're zooming in on that Mm -hmm. fear. Mm -hmm. If you zoom out, that fear is still there, but there's all kinds of other stuff too. So I invite people to think about, okay, I know that this fear is there, But if you take the zoom lens of your awareness and expand it, what else is there besides the fear? Right. That is such a great analogy. I love that. And I'm at, and I'm at the age where I had, you know, the old school cameras with the lenses. (laughs) So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And then (laughs) agile at being able to play with your zoom lens, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You get agile the more that you practice. Yeah. And uh, your, your picture just comes out better, right? When your life just comes out better, you have more choices. That's really great. Um, and so where did this concept, I mean, I know you spoke a little bit about um, our weirdness, but you're calling yourself the weird girl, right? So already people are going, who's this weird girl? What is she talking about? <laughs> you know? So why, why pick weird girl? What did, what did that actually speak to you? What did that mean? It's, oh my gosh, Nina. So when I was a kid, I was the most imaginative little kid who lived in possibility and, and, you know, my, my world was in my pink bedroom and it was a world of music and dancing and Barbie and, and guitar and singing and, and make believe. And I was just, just fun. (laughs) It was really, really, really fun. And I was really curious. And then at school, one day I got teased and bullied and uh, I had a private journal that was discovered. It sounds like an after-school special, but literally everything changed in a day and I was bullied and teased. And, and it was like that moment that I think many of us can trace back to a pivotal moment Mm -hmm. where we're like, I am weird. And so people like Lady Gaga and other people, and they tell stories about how they, thought that they were weird. But what happens is when we begin to allow, and that is like, the fear is in there and what else is there? It's like, okay, well, I have these thoughts about myself, but are they true? What else Mm -hmm. is there? And then we allow ourselves to be, you know, who we are. And I never say embrace your weird Because if you go from self-loathing, you can't just be like, oh, the next day I love myself. You can't go from A to Z that easily. So the space of allowing your weird is a space where you just may love it, embrace it, rock it, whatever it is. And that's what happened as a result of mindfulness for me was sort of this reconnecting back to who I really was that I was trying Mm. to hide for decades and so I reconnected with that, that quirky, awesome, curious little girl <laughs> who, who saw the world through right. these like big eyes and started writing. 
and writing and writing and writing. That's so great. And, you know, it just made me think of like um, the fact that you were saying that you used to overthink things and that, you know, you used to worry about a lot of things and those are, and that, that makes sense, right? When you think about that, even that, that trauma, right. Of being exposed the way you were with your journal, with the journal and stuff like that. And then thinking, oh my gosh, I am weird. Then makes you think about everything you do from that point, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, unbelievable right that that words can really make or break someone really you know and just doing those actions and and having you think that you were weird had taken you on such a journey right in your life where you were just like oh i I can't do that oh let me overthink that okay you know i'm gonna be the best runner i'm gonna be the best i'm gonna you know it's a it's just um it's just amazing to me that even as adults something that traumatized us or affected us uh, when we were kids can still have so much of an impact in our life, right? It's we, we live in that narrative. We live yeah. in the story and we live in that narrative and some people yeah. are really resilient and they get over it quicker. Other people, it takes a lifetime, decades, mm-hmm. you know, but, but for me, my biggest message is allowing because there's a lot of people out there that are like you should love your body you should love yourself you should always be kind you should 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 and I call it bullshit yeah I was gonna ask you about that next (laughs) talk to me about bullshit please (laughs) I love that (laughs) okay so you know you're growing up and your mom's like you should do this you should do that you shouldn't do that you should do that and you listen to the shoulds (laughs) and then when you have when you're not that secure in who you are you can get caught up in Mm -hmm. all the shoulds because Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't, you don't have the agency to be like, no, I shouldn't, you know? Right. So you're out there looking for somebody to tell you what you're supposed to do and you get caught up in the shoulds. And then what I realized was like, well, what if I can't? And what if I don't? And then that can cause, that can cause what I call should shaming. Right. So bullshit is, where you are versus where you think you should be or where other people are telling you you should be. And it's the space between those two that I call bullshit. That's so good. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Because, you know, I used to beat myself up about that stuff, right? Like, why aren't I in the best career yet? Look at the age I am. Why don't I have my house yet? Look at the age I am. And by now I should have this. And and then then one day I looked at my husband and said, wait a minute, who said so? Who said so? Why are we thinking like that? You know, and it just, it like, it was like a aha moment. And I said, BS, I'm not dealing with this crap no more. We're going to be exactly where we are and we're going to do exactly what we need to do. And it's just like, and that's just literally how I had to, um, uh, you know, approach it because I think I set my own self up because, you know, being young and having, a, I had a kid at, when I was like 15 years old and everybody was like, you're never going to be anything. You're never going to mount anything. Yeah. This is what you're going to do, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I am very resilient. So I, you know, I fought through all of those things, but it always stays back here. It yeah. always does. Yeah. And you realize that it helps you make decisions in your life that are not the best decisions, you know? So Yeah. And, you know, you know, you made me think just now it's like, so you got the confidence to be able to say, no, I don't have to do that. I have the confidence to be like, no, but do we still have those times where we find ourselves going, oh, should I? And then you're Mm -hmm. like, at least we, you know, when we recognize it and that's the thing, like, I think it's normal to sort of get caught up in that but it's the being able to notice without getting sucked into a vortex right. of, of the should 
that causes so much inadequacy and suffering and all that other crap. Do you feel like, um, you know, tapping into those things that maybe cause that, that trauma is very important when you're doing mindfulness? Like for instance, no, for me, it was, for instance, when I was writing my book, it was very cathartic for me because I realized that I was holding onto a lot of shame that didn't even belong to me. You know what I'm saying? Like shame of people that they did something to me and I was holding on to it as it was my, my shame. Once I released that and let that go, I realized that I was, that my trajectory just kept going forward. You know, so that's why I was asking, like, if you think that people need to go back or it's not necessary. You know, I, I, I'm kind of double-edged on that one only because what happens with our thoughts is we will loop you know, right. we'll, we'll have these ruminating thoughts about something that happened. Yeah. And yeah. mindfulness is all about the present. And it's okay to explore okay. for me. It, it was, it, I did a lot of therapy, a lot of exploring, you know, where this stuff came from and it never helped me. What I wanted to do was move forward. Right, right. And moving forward in the present meant that I didn't have to know why everything happened. Good. I think for me, it was, how can I let go of that story of what happened? Because okay. I had a lot of trauma too, but it, everybody, I think everybody has s- some trauma to some extent. And and some people might be helpful to, to unpack all that. For me, I, it didn't. It was like, right. it doesn't help me move into the present. Right. That's good. That's good because not everybody's the same. Right. And you're right. I don't think everybody has to go there. Um, for me, I just felt like it, it did help me. It did help me because it was a hindrance for me. And, um, but I like that you said mindfulness is about the present. And I, I like that. Um, I always thought of mindfulness and, and I think I had the definition wrong as just, um, sitting where you are and just like experiencing that space at that time. Right. Um, and also just being aware of like everything thing like around you, you know, in the past and the future, so on and so forth. But I love that you said that mindfulness is like sitting in the right now, sitting in the present, because that I always do believe that. Like I always, you know, I make jokes, like when my kids do something, like, ah, not, not Nina and not today. Right. <laughs> Cause I always say, you know, I only have today. Today is all I have. Right. And, and this second actually is all I have because I'm not promised the next second you know? So I always try to live as best I can being mindful of my, uh, my loved ones and what I'm doing. And I also want this day to count. I want our conversation to count. You know, that's important to me. This space and this time that we're spending together is really important to me, you know? And, um, and I, and I really truly mean that. So I try to live my life that way. You know, like once I'm done with my interview, I cut off, I'm with my husband and I'm with my husband watching a TV, whatever we're doing, you know what I mean? But I love that you do that. And I know that you do this, um, also with like businesses, don't you like, don't you do this also with like corporations and businesses yeah, teaching them as yeah. well? So there's a couple things. One, I, I want to just share real quick with your audience that Mindfulness and meditation are two different things. I think most people know that. And one of the ways that I have tapped into to practice mindfulness is I started doing art. I never drew in my life. And if you ever look on Instagram, I, over the pandemic, I I bought color pencils, then I bought markers and I've gotten really, really good. And I love doing it 
because it creates space for me to just be present for what I'm doing in the moment. So right. for me, that that's a really important practice of, of giving myself space from thinking to just be present with drawing and art. But so neat. what I was going to say for, for organizations, I have a couple things going on. So I do have the Rockstar Mindfulness, which is essentially a mindfulness for people who are skeptical, people who are practiced, you know, practitioners and people who are on the fence. And it's a super accessible, accessible uh, talk. And, and I use rock music and I use a lot of different practices and I don't ever say, let's close our eyes and connect with our breath, which is a great way to meditate, but you know, it's not accessible to everybody. It's not what people want to do. So I bring right. different practices, different approaches, the what of it, the why of it, the what happens when you do it and what the benefits are, the science, the science about it. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is with the whole weird thing, I have a new keynote. Oh, I got awarded a TEDx, by the way, and I'm doing a TEDx. Yes, that's <laughs> awesome. It's, and the TEDx is, what if weird isn't weird? And I love it. Thanks. It's going to be really fun. And it's more on the personal, personal growth side of things awesome. and that's coming out in july but the other the other keynote that i offer is really about individuality is the key to in inclusivity and it's good it's really an actionable approach to how we can how we can celebrate individuality and again it's not you know, let your, you let your freak flag fly. It is in a professional, you know, business environment, how we can, all of us, everybody involved can celebrate individuality. So that's a, that's a keynote that I have in the works as well. Oh man, you're doing some things, Shelly. You're doing some things. Okay. <laughs> and the book. <laughs> That's right. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that if you're open. Yeah. It. Okay, great. Because I pre-ordered my copy. So I want to just talk about so it. <laughs> so you have a book coming and it's called Weird Girl Adventures from A to Z, right? And it's due to drop, I believe it's June 22nd, I believe. June right? 22nd. Pre-orders yes. available now on Amazon. It's called Weird Girl Adventures from A to Z. It's not a label. It's a lifestyle. It is by no means a how-to book. Right, right. You know, this is how to be weird or anything. It literally <laughs> is a combination of a memoir, little life lessons that I think all of us can relate to. And a friend of mine who's an author who wrote the, the intro for it, she said it's as if Glennon Doyle, Lucille Ball, and a lot of people won't know who this is, but Irma Bombeck came together and stirred up a gluten-free, you know, <laughs> hey, I would come popping out with a tiara on. And I had, been told, I had been told that, so the great thing about this book is with people's crappy attention spans, it's, it's the kind of book you can pick up and read anywhere so you start. Right. And the story is going to either make you laugh, make you cry, go, oh my God, she didn't, or oh my God, I did that. 
or, oh my God, that happened to me too. So right. very, very relatable. And again, it's kind of like, okay, let's jump on a freight train to a roller coaster down a rabbit hole and get off the ride and read the right. next story. It's awesome. I cannot wait because I have, um, when I found your YouTube channel, I said, oh, I got, I got to check this out. You are so funny, but you talk about real topics and you are intentional about what you're saying. And you also like make it humorous also as well. And because it's like real life and like sometimes real life is just funny. Even like the stuff that just happens that like was hard even in my life. I look at it and I'm like, what? in the world like what in the world right yeah so it's really you are like really one of my favorite people right now I am going to be following you um and I can't wait for your TEDx talk I, I'm definitely going to tune into that that's exciting stuff huh exciting. my dream is to be this epic edutainer on stage edutainer bringing everybody into this collective I know it sounds so weird, collective individuality. I get it though. Thanks. I get it. I I call it it the collective weirdness of humaning. Yeah, it's so great. I I love your story from the beginning too, because you took us even in this conversation on on an adventure, right? Of, Of what you've been through and what you've done and even like the nervous breakdowns and all of that. And then now you're sitting here today, right? Like you're sitting here talking about mindfulness and helping others. Like, tell me life is just not a weird thing to begin with, right? Like, look at this adventure you've been on. Right. I think it's all of our adventure, though, when we mm-hmm. when we become self-transcendent and we know that we have something that our why turns into our must. Yeah, it's good. And it's usually it's in good. service of others. Yeah, it it's I, I believe that. Yeah, I always say that, that uh, we are here to serve others. We are here to serve others, you know, um, and I think that it does something to us. It elevates us. Right. It makes us feel better. And it and it opens endorphins. And when when I know that when I struggled with depression, if I help somebody, I felt better, you know, it's just, it just does help to elevate others. So I always knew I loved people. I just didn't know how I could possibly Mm -hmm. do anything that would help anybody. And Mm. when you find that one thing, it changes. So good. That's so good, Shelly, because I, I hear a lot of people, even some people at the top who say that, you know, like I still so I still struggle with self-doubt and I don't know how to help anyone. And then you hear like a story and you're like, oh, I actually helped that person. You know, like maybe I am on the right track here. You know, I was just doing the same thing with my husband. And I was completely in self-doubt. Like, what am I doing? I don't think I'm, I, I just need to stop. I don't think I'm doing anything with this. And then I go to my doctor's office and the girl says, hey, listen, I know we don't know each other, but that last conversation we had changed my entire life. I signed up back to college. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go. And I'm like, really? She's like, oh, you impacted me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, that just like kind of reiterated, like, Nina, stop. You're on the right track. Just stop, you know? And I think that's why, like right right now, the next the next place for me to really make an impact is where I had the hardest time, which is decades in the in the work world, mm-hmm. and where where I felt like a square peg in a round hole, and I can only imagine how many people feel yeah. that way. And I don't think that that has to happen. And I don't think it's leaders versus employees or employees versus culture. I think it's I everybody's issue. Yep. 
I agree. Wow. And you're, you know, you're going to be really needed too, because after this big pandemic and COVID and stuff, people are going to have a seriously hard time transitioning back into the work field. And the truth is, is people are going to come with a lot of issues when it comes to leaving their children, leaving their home, being in fear, right? So all that kind of stuff. So what you do is going to be really, really vital and important to these organizations. So in, in that, I would like everybody to know how to reach you, support you, follow you, because they're going to get laughs, but they're also going to get a lot of truth and they're going to learn a lot about themselves. So how can we all like follow you everywhere? Thank you, Nina. So my website is weirdgirladventures.com. I'm on LinkedIn. It's Shelly Brown with an E-Y, Shelly Brown. Uh, Instagram at weirdgirladventures. And that's about it. Okay. Well, I know you can probably connect to a lot on your website. I saw that. Yes. I also saw something that was interesting on your website where it looks like you have like stories on there, like people's so stories people, or something. Oh my gosh. I have a weird human of the week and That's so cool. and it's men, it's women, it's um, all gender identities. And I asked people four questions. What's your weird? When did you decide it was weird? How does it serve you? How does it serve others? And the answers and responses are incredible. But I'm going to go listen to those. Yeah, it's just, it's not even a podcast. It's just quick little stories. And what I've found again and again is everybody can go back to the ways that they thought they were weird as the ways that they are now serving other people. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Shelly, thank you so much for, for being here with me. This was awesome. I was so excited when you said you would be on my show. I'm like, yes. I love that. I love Thank speaking you. to people that love people. And I love speaking to people that love to make impact. So you are amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you. Pre-order the book. <laughs> yes, yes pre-order it because I already did. And I already know it's going to be funny and humorous and serious and all these beautiful things. So you guys have to order that. And I will make sure to link all of Shelly's information below so that you do that. And I want to make sure that you also keep following Straight Talk No Sugar Added because we have a lot of great people coming on here to impact your lives, challenge and transform your thinking. This is Nina Perez. Until next time. Make sure that you visit our website at Straight Talk No Sugar Added, where you can subscribe to our show on iTunes and Stitcher or anywhere you listen to your podcast or on YouTube so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about our show, that would be awesome too. If you like this show, you might want to check out our book as well. It's Hit Me With Your Best Shot, How I Overcame a Hard-Hitting Life. I am Nina Perez, and I am here for you. If you are looking for private coaching, make sure that you email me at hello at straighttalknosugaraddit.com. Until next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.